0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Lift off. We
1: have a lift off. And welcome back into the Bama on Three show. This is your host Clint Lamb sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Tuesday morning?
0: Beautiful weather. You know, uh, it's one of the things I associate with uh, Tennessee. week, Clint is. We don't, we don't get a long fall here in Alabama, not really. We get summer, and then this brief fall, and then it's kind of cold. So, but uh, that third week in October, always good weather, means the Tennessee game's here. And this year, it's got more meaning than maybe any of the previous 15, frankly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would certainly argue the previous 15. I would say dating back for quite a while. I mean, Alabama did drop in the polls from number one to number three. It's still number three versus what, number six? So
0: Three versus eight, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think Tennessee climbed, if I'm not mistaken. I could right. be wrong. Yeah, so um, we're going to quickly talk about the A&M game, and we'll quickly talk about the Tennessee game a little bit, just preview it a little bit, but mostly this is going to be, you know, people seem to prefer the review stuff, so we'll sure. spend a lot more time on that. What were your initial takeaways from Alabama's 24 to 20 victory over Texas A&M on Saturday?
0: Well, it wasn't pretty. Uh, There were were several things offensively that Alabama did not do well. Um, I think Coach Saban summed it up best. You know, when when you have a, a, a number two quarterback, particularly one who's never started a game, who's a redshirt freshman with very limited experience, when that happens, everyone on the offense has to play better. Everyone. Uh, The running backs have to be better. The receivers have to be better. The line has to be better. The tight ends have to be better. And I don't think that happened. So it wasn't a great offensive performance. Uh, Milrow was very mistake-prone, which should be expected of a freshman in his first start, particularly against a quality defense. And one more point, I'm not sure we really did a good job in the media, blaming ourselves and and the rest of our media brethren, when the the narrative last week was Texas A&M is terrible. That is true. They're offensively terrible. Uh, They're still terrible. They didn't even play well on offense Saturday uh, against Alabama's defense. Uh, They're not good at all on offense. But defensively, this is a pretty good A&M team. They'd actually been pretty good all year. They only gave up 17 points in their embarrassing loss to Appalachian State. You know they shut out Sam Houston. Uh, Even in the loss to Mississippi State, I think they gave up a couple of pick sixes. Uh, The the A and M defense is good. It's probably the best defense Alabama played all season, including Texas. Uh, And when you combine that good A and M defense with an Alabama freshman quarterback making his first start, uh, maybe the the results should have been a little bit more predictable on the offensive end, but. Alabama did enough to win the game. They did enough on offense to win the game. They certainly did enough on defense to win the game. And uh, I thought defensively played uh, really well for about three and a half quarters and, uh, and okay down the stretch. I think they gave up half of a and production on the last three possessions. Maybe they got a little tired at the end.
1: Yeah. What's interesting about that is a lot of a and success offensively throughout the majority of the game came when Alabama's offense put them in a poor position, meaning following a turnover. Anytime that they were pinned, not necessarily deep, but in their own territory, you know, starting at the 20-yard line, 25-yard line, whenever they had a drive starting in that area, they didn't have a whole lot of offensive success. You know, maybe a first down here, a first down there, but really, you know, a lot of three and outs, a lot of success for Alabama defensively. But any anytime that Alabama would turn the football over and they would get good field position, you know, around the 50, around the 45, 40, that kind of thing, you know, typically after a turnover, teams are going to take, you know, a shot down the field, uh, especially when they're around midfield after a turnover, whether it be on first down, second down, and A&M did that, and they had some success doing that. Uh, they hit some big plays and put themselves in a position to, to put up points. And really it wasn't until late, like you talked about, the last, you know, three drives probably, but really a lot of it came, you know, when you – move the football I think they started on what close to the 20 to 25 yard line on that final drive and pretty much drove the length of the field through help from Alabama and penalties and things like that but a lot of their success offensively a huge chunk of it at least came on that final drive and I didn't really have a concern too much with the defensive performance you know I've heard some people talk about Tyrion Arnold and being concerned with him I mean when you look you know, he was targeted 11 times. He gave up six catches for 100 yards uh, with a long of 43. But a lot of that success or a lot of those targets and catches came from Evan Stewart. And I understand Evan Stewart is a true freshman. Tyrion Honor is a redshirt freshman. He's really not that much older. He's a year older. He has been in the system, but he doesn't have a lot of ex- starting experience. He started about the same number of games as, as Evan Stewart, right? Maybe even less. Uh, so, and Evan Stewart's a dog. One of the questions that I had going into this game was, you know, I thought Alabama's corners had a ton of success against Arkansas's receivers, but those are a much different style of receiver. Those are big body guys. They're not really going to be able to create separation through route running and things like that. Evan Stewart, he's going to be one of the best receivers in college football. I really hope for his sake that AM's passing attack throughout his entire career there doesn't hinder his performance because if he's utilized correctly, And he's got a quarterback that can get him the football. He is going to be one of the college football's premier receivers. Uh, And, you know, I mean, he's a great player. So I thought Tyrion won some of those battles, a lot of those battles. Uh, He also lost some. And I thought the jump ball was unfortunate. Thought he was in pretty good position there, just couldn't make a play. But overall, I thought Tyrion Arnold, I mean, I wouldn't say he played great or even necessarily good, but I thought he played okay.
0: No, I agree totally. I I think he was fine. He did. He was victimized, I guess you'd say, by Evan Stewart, who's going to be victimizing a lot of people over the next couple of seasons, uh, three seasons, before he's off to NFL riches. Uh, Terry and Arnold uh, drew the toughest assignment back there. They picked on him because he's a freshman. Uh, I I thought he did fine. I I think the jump ball, it's much like the Milrow fumbles in in the sense that I think the Jalen Milrow fumbles sort of defined his performance. Uh, in terms of, of, of the negativity part. Uh, the jump ball on, on the Terry and Arnold play sort of like, you know, I think the criticism sort of comes from that one specific play, uh, a play he failed to make. He did gain good position and just didn't make the play on the ball. But uh, overall, uh, Terry was very good, and the defense was great. The pass rush was great. The front seven was really good. Uh, I I thought the safeties played well. Brian Branch played probably one of the best games of his career. Uh, I I thought overall it was great. Tarion, you know, probably wants that one play back. Milrow on offense wants several back, particularly the two fumbles. But, you know, every now and then you can have a glaringly bad play that sort of uh, swallows up the rest of the game. I think that's sort of what happened with Tarion, uh, who did defend the final play pretty well. Uh, He at least didn't make it easy. He didn't make it easy. On Haynes King and Evan Stewart on the last play, uh, which is uh great, considering the magnitude of that of that play had that had that gone the other way, and Tarion given up that catch and Alabama loses, we have a different view of everything about that game, probably even including Tarion. so he he made the game the game saving play at the end
1: yeah, uh, I completely agree, and I thought the run defense was phenomenal, you know, Devin, a chain. That guy had been having a lot of success. I want to say over his previous three games, he had rushed for, you know, over 350 yards combined and was averaging well north of six yards to carry. I want to say it was closer to six and a half or, you know, six, six or six, seven, somewhere around there. Uh, Mm -hmm. And in this particular game, he ran, you know, 16 times for 62 yards. So a 3.9 yard per carry average, if you take away that one 15-yard run, uh, then he, you know, had 15 carries for 47 yards which is only 3.1 yards per carry so I thought the run defense whether it be the outside linebackers or the interior guys the defensive linemen I thought up front you know run stopping and things like that I thought run fits from the linebackers was quality I really was impressed with Deontay Lawson on that front didn't make mm-hmm. anything any kind of play that's going to make you say wow you know he's incredible I just thought he was very steady in there and I thought that he added kind of a boost in coverage a little bit very athletic guy can cover a lot of ground and coverage so was very pleased uh with the performance from the front seven as far as you know the the run game is concerned and then the pass rush it was even better i mean it was incredible uh speaking candidly 14 quarterback hurries was the official stat PFF Pro Football Focus they you know do things a little bit differently they count things a little bit differently but the way that they had it graded it was 34 total pressures 34 21 hurries 10 quarterback hits and three quarterback sacks. So that's seven more hurries. It was one and a half times what the official stats listed as. But, you know, that just tells you either way that you look at it. Haynes King was under duress the entire game. What I'll give him credit for in this performance was he didn't make the kind of mistakes that I thought he was going to make because Alabama did put him under pressure like I thought that they would. And I thought that he would, you know, Really, I thought he was going to have the performance that we that we got from Jalen Milrow. Like, if you had yeah. have told me a quarterback's going to fumble twice, going to throw an interception, going to have some other throws that were definitely turnover-worthy, uh, looked panicked and, and under duress the entire game, I would have said, yeah, that's 100% going to be Haynes King. And yep. I thought that for the most part, you know, he, he handled things, you know, fairly well. Um, don't think he had a great game necessarily, but considering the circumstances, and, you know, some of the his statistics and stuff, that's going to come from Evan Stewart being a dog. And, you know, you go up and win a 50-50 ball like that, that's going to pad your stats. But it really didn't have a whole lot to do with Haynes King. He just threw it up there for his guy to go get. But, uh, yeah, I thought the 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 pass defense, it, it didn't look good on paper necessarily, but I thought it was okay. But it was really the pass rush, the run defense. Alabama was able to run the football on offense, just like, you know, we thought that they were going to be able to. Uh, that was my big thing is – Texas a secondary was veteran. It was a very deep group, very stable group, tons of uh, talented playmakers. Knew that it would be difficult throwing the football against them. But I thought that Alabama could have some success running the football, and they certainly did. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, 154 yards on 21 carries, so a 7.3-yard-per-carry average after averaging 11.4 yards per carry and rushing for over 200 yards against Arkansas the previous week. He's got, what is it, 200 and... Uh, 360 yards in the last two games. That's pretty impressive, Jimmy.
0: Yeah, Gibbs is a, uh, you know, I, I would say he's turned a corner. He's actually been this good his whole career. He's just now been, been able to show to Alabama his last, you know, three weeks or so. Uh, fantastic player, the burst, the acceleration, the open field speed, making people miss, uh, dynamic pass catcher. Uh, he's really becoming a first team all sec running back. Uh, and, and what I like is early this season, Clint, what I kept saying about Gibbs is he's the most dynamic player on the offense, but the plays aren't really coming from the running back position. Now they are, now they are, now he's more like a pure running back and Alabama really needed that. Uh, they need a threat at running back to help the receivers outside. And, and I think it's all coming. I think it's all going to come together at some point. Um, uh, and we can talk about the issues on offense, and and there are issues on offense. I mean, there's issues at wide receiver. The offensive line isn't great. Uh, I, I think there are some legitimate complaints about play calling. Uh, and you add all that up, and it's like, boy, the offense is a little bit of a mess. Well, it's the seventh best offense in college football. I mean, it's number seven in total offense. It's number five in scoring. If it's not about scoring and accumulating yards, then I don't know what offense is about. I mean, is it supposed to be aesthetically pleasing or it looks pretty? I mean, to me, Clint, it's yards and points, or, or more specifically, points and yards. Uh, and in that vein, Alabama's offense is pretty dang outstanding, really, through six games. Uh, but when you break it all down individually and unit-wise, Uh, It just goes to show how much better they can be, because the wide receivers need to be better. The line needs to be better. Uh, Latu and the tight ends need to be better. Uh, But overall, when you look at the production and the points, it's really a, a lot of the complaining feels hollow, frankly.
1: Well, you know, I think probably where the complaints stem from, if I had to guess, would be, you know, last year, they were up there in both of those statistical categories as well, but you could clearly see the limitations and you could see where a, an elite team can exploit that. And so you, I think Alabama fans thinking a mindset of championships and not necessarily how good it looks on paper and how many wins you have in a regular season or whatever. It's all about how do we think we can stack up against the elite of the elite competition? Cause that's where we feel like we're heading is a, is a an SEC championship, a college football playoff, and a national championship. And from that standpoint, you know, do you think you could step on the field with a Georgia or an Ohio State and all those things with the current problems that they have and, you know, be able to put up points at that rate or put up yardage at that rate? And I think that's the question, but I I certainly agree with you. I don't, I think the number one hindrance last year, especially in the national championship, the the missing receivers, I don't care. I'm not saying necessarily that Alabama would have won the game with them, even though I do technically believe that but you're not allowed to say that that upsets people for some reason uh if they had had two of their best players on offense um that the entire offense was built around uh they would have you know been better on offense Wow, crazy thought but do i think that that contributed absolutely but i think that the biggest problem was the offensive line and everybody can acknowledge that they have in my opinion the offensive line heading in the right direction don't think this was their best performance and for some odd reason that upset some people on the message board i don't understand why the tackles played phenomenal Thought the interior of the offensive line played solid. It was okay, but I think that they could have played better. They have played better. You know, I didn't think this was Seth McLaughlin's best performance. Snaps weren't consistent again. That's continued to kind of be a little bit of an issue. It's funny because that was apparently the problem with uh, Chris Owens last year and it got him benched, you know, but at the same time, it hadn't cost Alabama anything at this point. And I thought that from a blocking perspective, he was okay. He was solid, but he wasn't, you know, phenomenal like he was against Arkansas. Do I think he st- should still be the center moving forward? Yes, uh, because I think you get a lot more steady play out of him. You might have some inconsistent snaps on the location, but on a from a block to block basis, I think you get a higher ceiling with Dowcourt on some things. And then I think that, the, but it's the consistency factor. And I just think that the plays that he allows to happen, you know, can really hinder offensive drives and, and really stall things. Uh, you know, it's you get called for a penalty and now becomes you know first and 20 or first and 15 to me that's going to hurt you but also if it's second down and in your you know it's second and seven and you're trying to pick up some yardage on the ground and you know uh, Dow Court misses a block and now it's third and 11 uh, that certainly is going to hinder you as well you know so it's that kind of thing where I think that uh, McLaughlin should still be the starter but I, I find it interesting how a backup quarterback comes into the game I understand it's Alabama they're talented everywhere else totally get that but for some odd reason, every, I mean, it was, to me, it was clear that the issues offensively were stemming from a lack of play at the quarterback position. It wasn't just not making plays. It was negative issues that were helping the opposing team. And mm-hmm. people can look at that and they can say, well, I mean, still think Alabama deserves to to drop two spots in the rankings. That was strange to me uh, because I, I do think that when you looked at it, I mean, Receivers, I don't think it was anything special, but I also don't think you can really gauge too much from it. The offensive line was still uh, you know, solid uh, across the board as a collective unit. Wasn't great, but solid. Run game, obviously Jameer Gibbs looked good. So I don't know. I was very confused by that, Jimmy.
0: I didn't like Alabama dropping in the polls. Two things, number one, it doesn't matter. Number one, it doesn't really matter because Alabama's in a position to control their own destiny uh, if you just keep winning, guess what? You get to play number two, you get to play number one. I mean, you can take care of all that on the field. Uh it's not I don't think Alabama is handicapped at all by this drop, and it really doesn't matter. But the other point is why did they drop? I mean, you beat a conference opponent who's pretty good. I mean, they're pretty good. They're not horrible. They're not, you know, it's not Florida International. I mean, I mean, AM's pretty good. They certainly got dudes and you beat them with a the backup quarterback. I mean, ask Arkansas what it's like to play a good team with your backup quarterback. Ask Kentucky what it's like to play probably the 11th best team in the SEC without their with their backup quarterback, and they lost. Uh, it, it, I think Alabama should get credit for winning the game with a backup quarterback, and instead they fall in the polls. Uh, I think that's just – Hey, I, I don't want to be one of the thin-skinned Alabama fans that we get no respect sort of thing, because that's just not true. Alabama's more respected than any program in college football. But I do believe this. Alabama is judged by a set of Alabama standards. Uh, the fans do it, and the national media does it to, to an extent. And and I think Alabama dropped because Alabama's being held to an Alabama standard. I don't think anyone else would have dropped Uh you know, I, I think it's impressive to be a conference opponent with good players, with your backup quarterback and falling in the polls as a result of it to me is pretty ridiculous. But does it matter? Eh, not really. So I'm not upset about it.
1: Well, and yeah, and to me, I wasn't shocked at all that they dropped. I mean, I fully expected one to two. I was surprised that they went from one to three. Uh, right. And it's it's like you said, you're 100% right. No one, five years from now, no one is going to sit, look back and say, what was what was Alabama ranked in week seven of that 2022 season? Oh, my gosh, they were number three. How terrible. They're not going to care. They're not going to know. They're not going to care. It's all about where you rank at the end of the year. And so, uh, yeah, from that standpoint, completely agree. I thought, you know, you could, and the reason I say you could look at the 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 Jalen Milrow effect from this football game, you talk about the fumbles, you talk about the interception. That is included in this. It didn't hand, you know, A&M the football back, even though it was third and 12 throw it up, throw it downfield, essentially becomes a 44-yard punt. Could have been way worse. But at the same time, it's still a turnover play, uh, taking the sack when you didn't need to, which led to a missed field goal. I mean, there's so many things that the quarterback position did that kept this from, in my opinion, being a lot closer to being the blowout that we all expected. Uh, he was overwhelmed. I, I don't think that, you know, I, th- I thought Bill O'Brien called a, a, a fine game plan. I don't think it was great. I don't think it's as bad as some people make it out to be. I thought it was we kind of like the offensive line. I thought it was okay. Uh, liked the 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 misdirections and the design quarterback runs. Felt like that Bill O'Brien took Jalen Milrose, you know, struggles early and really got too conservative and just completely lost all trust. It felt like early in the game, they wanted to take some shots and they had some stuff developing downfield for one reason or another It didn't end up working out. And then they just kind of got away from it because when they would occasionally call something or dial something up that maybe would have went beyond that 20 yard mark. So maybe deep passes or some deep shots. It felt like that Jalen Miller by that point was so panicked and just flustered that he wouldn't let anything develop it, it, anything that you had beyond some kind of quick rhythmic, you know, pass. He would panic if his first three wasn't open, kind of go to the, uh, Jalen Hurts, but, I mean, at least one thing about Jalen, the guy always remained cool, calm, and collected. Uh, I think his was was just a lack of vision and a lack of seeing it. With Milrow, I just think that the guy just – everything he had been taught just completely out the window. And I've been there before. I started one game my sophomore year in high school. The year we won the state championship, we had a really good team. Robbie Zell, Alfred McCullough, William Ming, a lot of Alabama players were on that team. And ended up starting at linebacker one game and just – when I got out there, I was the same as Milrow. Everything that I've been taught just completely left. I'm like, I didn't know <sighs> what curl was. Uh, I mean, it, and they, I ended up leading the team in tackles. And my dad, after the game, I'll never forget, he, he thought I played a phenomenal game because they called me up, my my name over the intercom the entire night. And the whole reason that they did that was because they were like this. I don't know who this 33 sophomore is, but we're just crushing this kid. So I don't know what it is, but when you when you get in that mindset, you just completely just like everything that you've been taught, all the training, all the reps you've been doing is muscle memory. But just just very, and then that's exactly what happened with Milrow. That's why you can you could see it, and I know how it can affect you. Uh, and that's why I say I don't think he's the player that you saw on Saturday. I don't think that he, even the throws that look terrible, you can say he's an inaccurate quarterback. I think a lot of that inaccuracy was due to forgetting all your training and just panicking, throwing the football, not, you know, using the proper mechanics and technique and knowing where to go and making your reads. So it was bad. He's got to make a lot of improvement, but I'm not ready to give up on him necessarily. I also think that it's a huge problem if he ends up having to start, you know, in Knoxville this weekend.
0: Yeah, I agree with with, with all of that. Uh, It wasn't, it wasn't good. (laughs) It it, it was mostly bad with uh, glimmers of potential, uh, the three touchdown passes were all good throws. I mean the the particularly I thought the throw to Jermaine Burton was it the hardest throw in the world to make? No, but it was on time on the money score. and that that was impressive. and uh, he completed a pass to Ja'Cory Brooks that Ja'Cory housed. and the throw to Latu was probably risky and maybe you shouldn't make that throw, but he can throw the ball 100 miles an hour so it worked. <laughs> you know uh, So the, the, you know so there were some some good in there. But he was overcome by anxiety. That's, uh, you know, Nick Saban himself confirmed that yesterday in his press conference. That's the word that Saban used. And I I think we should have expected it instead of just assuming it would be a a composed thing. I think it's a difference, Clint, because you talked about making a start as a sophomore. I'm sure, you know, in the same situation in the 10th grade, playing big-time high school football like you did, uh, it probably would have been easier if they told you midway through the second quarter, Hey, Clint, uh, starter, the start linebacker, he, he, he tweaked his ankle. It's bad. He can't go back in. You got to play. And you just put on your helmet and you run out there and play and you don't go, Oh my God, I got to play. You just put on your helmet, you go out there and play. When they tell you a week in advance, you're going to start next week. Now you got a week for the anxiety to build. Now, you know, what's coming. It's not a spur of the moment. Hey, I got to get out there thing. Now it's a, Oh my gosh, next Saturday I'm going to start my first game and it's against AM. And by the way, our fans want a blowout. They need me to play unbelievable because the fans want to win this game 49 to three. All that stuff. And you're playing against a good defense. So I get it. I mean, I said today uh, as a means, as a way of explaining that, hey, uh, one day these quarterbacks that we're dying to sign right now, the two kids committed to us, Holstein and Lonergan, if they're forced, to start as freshmen, it's probably going to look like that. You know, it, it's probably going to look like that. As much as we think those kids will be great, and I'm high on both of them, if they have to start as freshmen due to injury, it'll probably look like that. And, and for uh, – I had no idea what I would find, but I Googled this week. I'm like, you know, it's Tennessee week, and I think the best Tennessee quarterback I've ever seen in my life is Peyton Manning. I think he's one of the great quarterbacks in SEC history. I wonder what he looked like in his first start. And I couldn't find the numbers, but I found the game. And the game was his first start midway through the 1994 season was against Washington State. And I didn't find Peyton's numbers, but I did see the outcome of the game. He did lead the Volunteers to a win. They beat Washington State 10-9. to So something tells me Peyton Manning didn't exactly light it up his first time out there either. So in terms of the criticism of Milrow – to me, it's been way over the top, but that doesn't mean that I'm defending his performance. Right, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was anxiety riddled. There were poor throws. There were turnovers, and it was a performance that coulda, shoulda, led to a loss.
1: Right, a hundred percent. And you know, was a loss you're right. And the fact that they were able to overcome two missed field goals, uh four turnovers, a couple of other turnover worthy plays and just some of the the you know unfortunate breaks down there, you know near the end of the game. The fact they were able to overcome all that and still get a victory, I think that speaks a lot about this team because I I mean, how many teams are going to go minus 3 in the turnover battle and lose? Just that one fact alone is is pretty pretty wild. Uh, but you are 100% correct and that's what I said in the post game directly after the game about milro you know a lot of people thought well i mean he had to come in on the road against arkansas you know that's a tough environment first of all alabama had already kind of established momentum in the game they were playing with you know a lead they had i think scored 14 points at that point and then some things some guys helped Milrow out i thought he performed you know pretty well but he just he didn't have time to panic like in in What's interesting is I, you're 100 percent right. That one start that I got my sophomore year, I found out the week before, or like I, you know, it was an injury, the week before. I knew all week. I only time I didn't have to play JV on Monday night. Uh, we used to have to do practice and then go play a JV game right after. I was thought I was a big shot because I was like, I ain't got to play JV on Monday. This is awesome. I'm done with practice. But then I had the entire week to be like, man, I'd be. I mean, it was heart soul. It was a good school that we were playing that week had a good quarterback I was really to hope I don't screw this up and I screwed it up and then you know that same season starting inside linebacker tear, tears his ACL in the, the game before the state championship I have to come in but it's on the fly it's kind of out of nowhere I wasn't expecting to really play and I didn't have time to panic I didn't have time to overthink now I ended up screwing up one of the final plays I ended up forcing the fumble that we recovered and then got us to the state championship but at the same time I'd also not been in my zone in curl. And, and that's why they completed the pass in the first place. And I still got yelled out by my coach. And then I ended up not starting the state championship game. They moved guys around. Thanks William um, for that. Um, he ended up taking my spot anyways. Point being, you know, yeah, there, I think there is something to be said about not having time to panic and overthink things. And it's just, you gotta, you gotta bear with them. Cause I mean, I'll tell you junior year started that entire year. Senior year started that entire year. Never once had that issue ever again. Uh, You're right you were ready to play you were ready then you were ready, and And i i kind of knew what to expect at that point yeah yeah i mean it was uh once you've experienced it and you're like wow uh that's that was just vastly different than i kind of imagined in my head because you would you know play middle school football in front of you know thousand people i don't even know how many people would be there those games but not a lot and then playing in front of you know eight ten thousand people randomly it's 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 different so i I understand where milro's coming from long way away of putting that i guess but there are some limitations alabama i think is going to struggle this weekend against tennessee if milro is the starter but it's trending towards bryce young being the guy we're hoping that he's going to be back we'll have to wait and see but overall i I thought it was a a good learning moment for a lot of people so do you have any thoughts on the tennessee game before we get out of here
0: yeah, uh, it's going to be a heck of a challenge. I do believe Bryce will be the quarterback. My concern isn't so much that Bryce won't be the quarterback. My concern is how healthy will Bryce be? Will Bryce be the quarterback with limitations? I mean, will will he not be 100%? Will we have to take things out of the playbook? Will we have to go to extra lengths to protect him from, from taking a hit on the shoulder? Uh, so I'm a little worried about that. Uh, I'm certainly worried about how good Tennessee is on offense, not worried so much about them on defense. Uh, I, I'm sure they're a little bit better than, you know, I tweeted that they're 87th in the nation on total defense, which is a fact. It's a fact. I, I don't believe they're the 87th defense though. They're better than that. Uh, but obviously their offense is a bigger concern than their defense. And hooker is a fantastic football player. He's going to, make throws on our dbs get get mad now people that that get furious every time our dbs give up a pass go ahead and start throwing your remote at the tv now i mean it's gonna happen uh he hooker's good those receivers brew mccoy it's not just that cedric tillman will be back and you know he will but brew mccoy's a good player i mean they got some guys out there and small smalls and a running back's a good player the line's pretty good but hooker's fantastic i think this is a nice heisman game frankly i hate that bryce is dinged up for it because i think whoever wins the quarterback performance of the day uh probably emerges from this game as the leader uh in the heisman race and now we're into mid-october where it starts mattering so uh it's gonna be tough uh but in the end i'm leaning towards picking alabama clint just for the simple fact alabama has more good players than tennessee
1: yeah the, the difference to me, because a lot of people are going to look and they're going to see, you know, Bryce got hurt trying to do too much. If he, if he gets rid of the football, he doesn't get hurt. And Nick Saban even alluded to that, you know, multiple times like, hey, he's got to get rid of the football there. And I think a lot of Alabama fans, they have flashbacks to Tua Tunga because that was always his big issue. The thing is, Tua never learned. And, and his last final play in an Alabama uniform was him not learning from a lot of his previous mistakes where he had tried to do too much with the football, tried to make a play too much and it got him hurt. And it almost ended his career on that final play. Uh, thank goodness it didn't. And still also, also continuing to wish him a speedy recovery from the, those uh, uh, head issues and back issues or whatever it ended up being. I still don't know where that investigation's going, but doesn't matter. I don't guess uh, or at least doesn't matter to the podcast. Uh, but I think Bryce, you know, he's always done a great job of protecting himself. And when he gets You know, lit up. It's mostly from a breakdown, you know, from the offensive line. Like he got destroyed against Auburn last year. Nothing he really could have done to protect himself in that situation. It was just poor offensive line play. But the type of play that you saw him get hurt on, I don't think you have to worry about him having a repeat performance of that mistake like you did with Tua. And I think that's a really key difference. On top of that, I think this Alabama offensive line needs to take this game personally because I think Tennessee knows or kind of smells blood in the water. Like, hey, if we can. You know, if we can get one solid hit on on Bryce, he might be right back out of the game, and we got Jalen Milrow in here, and we like our chances. If that happens, we like our chances probably regardless, but we like, we certainly like our chances if if Jalen Milrow's in the game. So the offensive line needs to say, "Hey, you are not touching my quarterback." On you know, from my mistake, and I think that that needs to be a huge, you know, part of this equation as well. Tennessee does have a phenomenal offense. It's going to be a tough game. What's wild, if I'm not mistaken, Alabama can lose this game. And still control its own destiny, right?
0: Correct. 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 So, you lose this game, you you still get to it. If you if you win out, you still get to Atlanta with an opportunity for either revenge against Tennessee or to beat a number one ranked Georgia team. And boom, you're in the playoff almost certainly if you, you win that. You so, just you do is lose your margin for error if you lose this game in Knoxville.
1: If you make it to Atlanta undefeated, I don't really care who you play if you play Tennessee or if you play Georgia I think you know both teams are going to be positioned well enough where if you lose a close one against them if you're undefeated I think Alabama still goes to the playoff because I mean we're kind of still hunting for that number four team or that last team so obviously this is important an important game that Alabama wants to win and it's Tennessee you always want to win and you always want to perform your best against the best It's not like you can just say oh take take, let's take the week off obviously they're going to try to win but my point is from a fan's perspective, if they do end up losing on Saturday, which I'm I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I, I still, you know, Tennessee right now, they're ranked like near the, the last in the country in pass defense, and they rank near the top 10 in run defense. So I think if Bryce Young can come back and he can be healthy and that passing game gets going again, I think that's really good timing. I'll also be curious to see how they use Jameer Gibbs because a lot of his traditional running back usage has come with Jalen Milrow as the starting quarterback. I wonder if they get back to his previous role or if they kind of be like, hey, we found some stuff that's working with him and that can work with Bryce or Jalen. So let's keep using him in this way. I think that's the way it's going to go, but just something for fans to keep an eye on uh, moving forward because his touch, his his touches the last two weeks have skyrocketed. I just wonder, you know, with Bryce being the quarterback, if that will, you know, change back to the previous way or, or stay the same. But, you know, I think that with Alabama being able to throw the football, they can score on Tennessee. I think that puts pressure on Tennessee. A whole lot of other teams hadn't put a whole lot of pressure on them. And, you know, I think that Hendon Hooker, you can make him uncomfortable with Alabama's pass rush. So I I personally think that Alabama can win the football game, uh, but a lot's going to depend, like you said, on on Bryce's, not only his availability, but his his health and kind of where he stands. But it's going to be a challenge. So, uh, Jimmy, we got, I think, two minutes left. Do you have anything else to add before we hop out of here?
0: No, just that, uh, like you said, uh, the loser of this game, whether it's Alabama or Tennessee can still make it to Atlanta by winning out. Uh, so the season is not over for whoever loses. Uh, and and that that's good because these are two really good football teams. Whoever loses this game is still a good football team. Uh, it it is very losable, but I I believe Alabama will win. Uh, and and I believe largely Alabama is going to win because of Bryce young being back. And, uh, the offense uh, needing to make a statement this week. And uh, I I believe that they will. And I believe it's going to be tight and exciting. CBS is going to get their money's worth on Saturday.
1: Yeah, they certainly are. And then next week, Mississippi State, man, and in Tuscaloosa, but hopefully they continue to be a top, you know, 10, 15 team. Tough run for Alabama. I understand a lot of these teams, Alabama's beating them. They're dropping out of the top 25 or dropping out of being in the conversation to be in the top 25. That's happened with a lot. But I guess they're, you know, Arkansas and A&M both. And, I mean, obviously Tennessee would drop if Alabama beat them. But bottom line, going to be a fun game this week. We're covering it from all angles. You know, I had a lot of stuff going on yesterday. Wasn't able to really get a lot of content out, but that's the plan as soon as we hop off of here. I'm going to work, and and we're going to get some stuff up, and it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Um, But, Jimmy, once again, man, appreciate you taking some time and hopping on here with me, brother.
0: Oh, that was great. Uh, And uh, looking forward to a show next week, recapping our 16th win in a row over the Vols.
1: I love it. Let's speak it into existence. I love it, Jimmy. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys hopping on here with with us and and joining us um, and listening in. We always appreciate it. Certainly go leave us a five-star review. Tell us how much you love the show. That certainly will help us as we continue to try to do this as much as possible. We appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you guys soon. This is uh, the host of the Bam on 3 show, Clint Lamb, and we'll talk to you guys soon.